We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Steven, and I'm the host, as always, and joining me is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what is up, man? How are you doing today? No idea, dude. We've got a <laughs> shitty game tomorrow. Uh, so, you know, it's it's just whatever it's going to be. I'm going to let it come to me, and whatever happens, happens. Um, season's over. We still got to power through this. Good news is we get to look ahead to the draft where we're all winners. Yes, there's always hope. Uh, you know, the off season is where everybody wins, um, unless you're certain teams. But uh, yeah, I shouldn't talk trash about the off season winners because the Chargers are pegged as off season winners every single year. Um, yeah. And look what they have to show for it. So um, yeah, uh, I tomorrow uh, this game is just already like such a snooze fest. Like Al Michaels at this stage of his career calling this game is going to be just even worse. <laughs> like Al Michaels on a regular game does not have any juice right now. So, uh, you know, I, I, I uh, probably would recommend listening to the local radio uh, crew if you uh, have a chance to do that. So uh, should be interesting one. See, see how tomorrow plays out. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that game. Some things have changed. Obviously we did our, our show on the Chargers channel this morning, uh, talking about like how the Chargers can uh, build a successful offense around him and like what that would look like. Obviously, we're not talking about wins and losses at this point. Um, things have changed because Keenan Allen is not going to be playing 
And Josh Palmer has been activated off injured reserve, although he is going to be limited tomorrow. So uh, things got significantly more difficult for Mr. Easton Stick, and we'll talk about some of that. The Raiders also dealing with some injuries and are considering going back to Jimmy G tomorrow, uh, according to some of the Raiders beat. So uh, I don't know if you knew that or not, Tyler, by your reaction. Nope, I'm finding out live right now. (laughs) Breaking news to Mr. June over here. Apparently... Aiden O'Connell is going to start, but he's going to have a very short leash, and Antonio Pierce is ready to yank him for Jimmy G at any moment. Uh, the Raiders still believe that they are playing for wins and playing for the postseason right now. So, how much I buy that or not? Um, but they're potentially going back to Jimmy G. So there's a chance that like we see both quarterbacks again in this game. So that's that's where we're at. So. Uh, we'll dive into the Chargers side of things first and foremost. Keenan not playing. Justin Herbert on injured reserve. This offense is essentially the starting offensive line, the starting tight ends, and the preseason. Because this is going to be, you know, if Joshua Palmer were fully healthy, like he would be wide receiver one. He's not. I don't know how much of a snap count he's going to be playing, but he's going to be on a snap count. So you're talking about Quentin Johnson, wide receiver one. Joshua Palmer, wide receiver 2A, Alex Erickson 2B, and then Darius Davis, whoever they call up off of the practice squad tomorrow. Uh, This becomes significantly more difficult for Easton Stick to get like legitimate uh, game tape. This is obviously a short week. I am not expecting more than like 10 points tomorrow on offense. Like I think this is the Raiders defense is not great, but. This is this is a tough spot to make your first career start in where you do not have wide receiver one or two and wide receiver three is banged up and can barely play. You can't run the football right now. So expectations for Easton Stick should be very much tempered. And I like so many people are like, I hate Easton Stick. I'm so sick of him. Like <laughs> we haven't seen him play a real game before. Like this is his first chance. Like I understand like being a little skeptical, but don't put too much stock into Easton stick play tomorrow is what I'm saying here, because it's, it's tough out there when you're not playing with actual starting receivers. So go, go a little easy on Easton stick tomorrow. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I even know how to comment on any of this. Like you said, yeah. it's Keenan Allen's not playing. Um, Josh Palmer, who knows how many snaps he comes back with. That's a good thing is he's been practicing in full. It's just like, I don't know, man. Do they want to rush him back? What's the point of rushing him back? Can you even evaluate the guy? I have no idea. Yeah, um, yeah. this offense isn't going to be very good. It's not going to be very pretty. And it'd be easy. You know, a lot of teams, let's say when Aiden O'Connell came in, I don't know if this was exactly true, but okay, let's go run it with Josh Jacobs. You know, like that. you could just do that. Right. You know, the Titans have whatever quarterback they've been throwing out there until they finally settled with Levis this past year. Well, I can just run it with Derrick Henry. You know, like you can just do that, filter through the tight ends, and that's kind of it. Chargers don't have a run game, and they don't have Keenan Allen. I know Keenan Allen wasn't technically the leading receiver in that game, or even the leading receiver with Easton Stick, but he had what five, six catches in the second half. Being the gravity of Keenan certainly changes the offense yes. for Easton Stick. It makes yeah. things way easier, way easier for him. And now, like Keenan Allen, if you look at the graphs of separation. He tends to be in the upper right quadrant where he's a great separator. Josh Palmer too, but again, he's hurt. The lower left quadrant has tended to be Quentin Johnston. So you're going from one of the best separators in the game 
to as your wide receiver one to so far one of the worst. Not fair to compare the two. Obviously, one's Keenan Allen, one's a rookie, but still. So how they get Quentin involved, how they get the run game going. Like, do you just go for broke? Are we doing flea flickers? Are we doing <laughs> fake flea flickers to flats? Like, what are we what are we doing tomorrow? I don't know. But Kellen Moore's going to gotta dig deep into his bag. And again, I am, you know, if it wasn't Herbert doing all the work, it was then also just Keenan Allen doing some of the work himself. Yeah. Herbert does the yeah. job. Keenan Allen's always wide open. So Kellen Moore literally has to show us who he is as a coordinator um, and what he can do when the easy buttons are gone. He has to find yeah. his own easy buttons at this point. Does he have that in him? I don't know. But like you said, I'm not expecting more than 10 points. Like just because, you know, we have to see more from Kellen Moore or whatever, doesn't mean that I'm expecting 24 points all of a sudden. Like this is, this sucks. And the Raiders, for whatever they are on offense and switching to Jimmy G for whatever reason, potentially, the defense has been playing very, very well. Like they did yeah. lose last week, but it was three to zero. So the defense is playing pretty well. If it's a three, if it's a zero zero game tomorrow until two minutes left, I don't know, man. I can't tell whether to drink or like hang it up behind me <laughs> um, as like a, a memory forever. I don't know, dude. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not going to be pretty. Yeah. I uh, obviously do not drink. So, uh, you know, I, uh, this is the one time of the year where I'm jealous of people who do. <laughs> Because I, I don't know how I'm gonna watch this game. Like, you know, my 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 way of coping is is like usually for usually through cheesy greasy food. So maybe I'll 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 there you go order a pizza and then also order like super garlicky cheese bread or something. I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, you know Nate Tice always uses the phrase like gum and toothpicks offenses, and that's like what the Browns were doing with you know. Uh, like PJ Walker and everything like that. And so this is, this is probably what you're doing with Easton stick. You're going to gum and toothpicks this thing. What does that look like? You're going to do a lot of RPOs. You're going to do design runs with Easton stick, which at this point you probably should call at least 10 Easton stick design runs, like get him on the move. It's probably one of the best ways that you can, you know, build his confidence and make things easier for him because the last possible thing that you want in this game and any of the remaining games for Easton Stick is for him to be consistently living in third and long situations. Um, Brandon Staley has talked about that even with Justin Herbert. Like that's one of the biggest reasons why you know the pass protection has failed is because they are in third and long situations pretty often because they can't run the football. So how do you mitigate that? You make things easier on first down on yourself. You're running less traditional things, more unconventional things you know, screens, RPOs, get Easton Stick on the move from a bootleg perspective, let him use his legs. And then you can kind of try and do some traditional things on like second and medium as opposed to second and long, as opposed to third and long. So Kellen Moore is really going to have to piece together, you know, this gum and toothpicks offense because he doesn't have a choice. Like you can't run traditional offensive schemes when you're without these kind of players. I mean, like, really think about like this game and like you don't like if we talked about the five best players on the Chargers offense they're all out this week every single one of them except for maybe Rashawn not maybe except for Rashawn Slater Rashawn Slater's playing but you don't have Corey Lindsay you don't have Mike Williams Keenan Allen Justin Herbert like you're gonna have to go to the elementary school playbook here and just like piece (laughs) together this thing and at least like the players are not gonna just sit here and be like oh we're cool like 
We're going to mail it in. Like the players are going to want to play and win. This is the Raiders. This is a primetime game. Like this is an important game for, you know, like future contracts for future roles. Like the players are going to give it their all. The coaches are obviously going to try and give it all because like the, the, the coaches are also trying to coach for their jobs, you know, and Kellen Moore has to prove to the chargers or the rest of the league and say, Hey, like, I can be a high end offensive coordinator, even with this kind of offense with all of these injuries, and I could make things work. You know, I did it with Cooper Rush. I did it with Easton yep. Stick. Like that's that's a big deal if he can manage to do that. So mm-hmm. I think this is definitely a game where you just want to muddy it up and make it as easy as possible possible for Easton Stick. Take some shots when you can, but you're you're probably not doing a ton of traditional offense uh, in this matchup on a short week. Yeah, I'm curious how much they'll lean into. I'm curious if they have a Max Duggan package at all. First off, I'm curious yeah. about a thing. Maybe they're terrified to do that so they don't accidentally lose one of their other quarterbacks. But like in the preseason, it was when Max Duggan went in, it was okay. Quarterback, we're not going to pass the ball. Yeah, it was just like quarterback run, quarterback boot, let's run, hand it off, hand it off, hand it off, quarterback run. And I'm not saying that's going to work in a regular season game, but you might not really have a choice. So push comes to shove. Let's see what Easton Stick can do with his legs. Yeah. It minimizes, I think, a lot of the, you know, like pro decision making sort of things that Justin Herbert really can do. That, like, you know, Easton Stick talked about watching Rivers, watching Herbert, and how they do it. I don't know if Easton Stick can do that in a live game. We really don't. So, like, just minimize it. Let him go be what he is at bare minimum, which is an athlete and a good runner. Go do that and add the things from there. Uh, but then again, do they want to risk the injury? You know, Easton Stick or Max Duggan gets hurt in the preseason. He's still got Herbert. Easton Stick gets hurt in this game. And I'm not watching any more Georgia's football, man. I ain't watching any of that. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how, how bold they are with him, I guess. But if they're genuinely trying to win, they got to get these guys moving. Yeah. And uh, this is, I don't want this to turn into like shit on Max Duggan, but like the Chargers themselves told you that they did not trust Max Duggan to operate an NFL offense in the preseason. Like, for whatever we all think of Easton Stick, like, he can operate this offense to a certain extent. Like, he can go through his reads, go through his progressions. And he made some throws on Sunday against the Broncos. Like, it's not like he was, you know, completely garbage out there. Obviously, the pocket presence needs some work. He's never played in a regular season game outside of Sunday. So, you know, I I am curious just to see, like, what this looks like. You know, what does Kellen Moore draw from from an easy button standpoint? Can Easton Stick and Quentin Johnston maybe like build some kind of confidence going into the into the offseason? Like that's a super important thing. What does this mean for Isaiah Spiller? Like, what does this look like for Gerald Everett? You know, who's playing for, who's on a free agent contract? Austin Eckler is obviously playing uh, up for a new contract. So again, this is an important football game for the players, even if like the win-loss column doesn't really matter all that much at this point. I just gotta say, completely off topic. God bless 112 of you that are yeah. here listening to us preview the Easton Stick versus maybe Aiden O'Connell <laughs> slash Jimmy G game. Two teams that aren't in the postseason hunt at all. Unless yeah. you're the Raiders and you think you are. Yeah. God bless you. Don't know what you're doing here, but I appreciate you being here. You are a diehard fan. Yeah, we appreciate you guys for sure. Um, Tyler, anything on defense that you want to touch on before we get to this mock draft simulation that we are uh, planning to do today? Not necessarily, but I, I really, of the free agents that are pending, in terms of 
I don't want to see what it's like without them, nor do I believe the Chargers can afford something else or draft someone that early. I do really want to see Elohi Gilman close as he's not really strong, which in theory could price him out. But I think he's a player. We have not seen anything from JT Woods really at all his whole career, his fault or otherwise things out of his control. Yeah, I got to see Elohi Gilman finish strong. I don't, I'm not saying that Elohi Gilman would even be the future of the Chargers, but just like if we're talking potentially trading Derwin next year or, or at least considering that, or blowing up a lot of this team, bringing Elohi Gilman back on a very inexpensive contract is something worth considering. So while he's not the future by any means, I got to see him finish strong because I, I just would feel better with at least one body returning in that secondary next year. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're, the Chargers are heading into a, a two-year stretch where things are going to be pretty bleak from a cap perspective. You need compensatory picks right now it's kind of looking bleak on that front. Um, you know, we were talking about it in our group chat today, maybe Gerald Everett still has some fans around the league. Gerald Everett could also come back next year and I'd be okay with it, depending on where exactly you're going from a, a draft perspective and things like that. But Aloe Gilman, I think is probably the, the safest bet of somebody that could go net the charge or compact, but he has to continue to play well. Like you mentioned, you know, like mm-hmm. if, if you really think about like, the biggest Chargers games, like Alohi has, Alohi has generally played well in those moments and caused some turnovers or whatever the case may be. I'm not, I'm definitely not expecting Alohi to go out and get like an elite contract by any means, but maybe somebody out there gives him like a two year, $10 million kind of deal. And I, that would net the Chargers a pretty solid fifth or sixth round comp pick potentially. So that's definitely one thing, of course, would be remiss to, not mention the NFL sack leader, Mr. Klumak. Colton Miller is not going to play this week. So we get uh, Jermaine Illuminor, or however you say it, and Thayer Munford as the two Raiders offensive tackles. I don't know how much the Raiders are going to be passing. <laughs> uh, I don't know if they're going to try and run the football all the time or what exactly the game plan is there. But Kalumak, revenge game, primetime game. Like he's he's the guy that we can really trust to kind of hold down the fort right now. Um, and I like the sack record is like the thing I care most about for the chargers right now. Pretty much. And so if Khalil Mack can notch at least two more sacks tomorrow, that would be huge. Um, again, revenge game. We know how he's played against the Raiders in the past backup offensive tackles. This would be a great spot for him to, uh, really go out and, sh- and show what he's got left in the tank tonight. So, or tomorrow night, I should say, uh, so he's at 15, Zero sacks last week. If he could get one or two tomorrow, that would be huge. And then you have three games to potentially get the rest. So need him tomorrow because tomorrow tomorrow is his best chance of getting a yeah. multi-sack game. You know, I was I was thinking and hoping, obviously, Mike McGlinchey, but the Broncos are very ready for Klumak. They double-teamed, chipped him all the time. Um, obviously, they ran the football. It was a negative game script for the Chargers. So tomorrow is 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 Khalil's best chance at getting – you know, a multi-sack game. So hopefully that uh, that does come to fruition tomorrow. Yeah, it potentially could. And I don't know if we planned it for right now, but can I use the segue for a prize picks? Ad yes, here? go, go, go. Excellent. So let's talk about prize picks, the uh, daily skill-based real bunny fantasy sports game. You can pick two to six players and they get more or less. Um, and that's it. Very simple, easy. Um, we've been using it. Um, it's been keeping me alive throughout the season for better or worse. Uh, if you're so inclined, you can go find the East and Sick um, 
score or the passing yards. He said 189.5 passing yards um, in this game. There's a more or less there. It was 200-something. Keenan Allen went out. Now it's 189.5 pass yards. Pick more or less. I ain't going to tell you how to do that one. That is entirely up to you. But what you could do is go to Khalil Mack. See, Khalil Mack has said it's 0.75 sacks for this game. And I'll tell you what, if he was at 1.75 sacks, I'd still consider the more there. He had six <laughs> sacks the last time he played, only 0.75 sacks. Now, I think if you're going to bet, if you're going to select a more or less at any point this season, Khalil Mack, it's this one. So I would definitely go with that one. So to make your selections, go to prizepicks.com slash guilty and use the code guilty for a 100 deposit, uh, $100 first deposit match. Yeah, Price Picks is awesome. It's super easy to use. Um, you guys can use uh, any sport, basically. NBA is obviously hot right now, so you can go and, and do some some fun specials there. I believe they had a really cool special for the play-in game last Saturday, or the play or not the play-in game, excuse me, the in-season game uh, championship with the, with the Lakers and the Pacers. So um, you could use NBA, college basketball, whatever floats your boat. If you're really into the college football bowl games, you can definitely go uh, use prize picks. It's been a ton of fun. And uh, yes, I would definitely take the more on Khalil Mack this week. If Josh Jacobs plays, I think I probably would take the more for his rushing yards from a Raiders perspective. I think mm. they're really going to try and feed him the rock. So um, that's on that side. Uh, also, I have to tell you guys about Little Caesars. Uh, Little Caesars pizza. We ju- I just mentioned a greasy pizza. What better way to, to talk about greasy pizza than Little Caesars? Uh, so be sure to go use... Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL and the Los Angeles Chargers. They have a great pizza portal pickup where you can literally walk in, type in a code, and, and out you go with your pizza. So um, please go check out Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the uh, NFL and the Los Angeles Chargers. So there you go. Price picks, Little Caesars. Appreciate them. Our our deal with Price Picks goes all the way through the Super Bowl. So you guys can use Price Picks the entire way from here on out. And uh, please do use the code because it really does uh, help grow the show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, so uh, we all know what you guys are here for today. We're going to have some draft discussion today. Um, I don't know if you can maybe zoom in a little bit there, Tyler. If you could, that'd be great. Um, so we, uh, we're going to do just the one round Tyler and I, uh, Tyler has watched, have you watched any more prospects or are you still at seven? <laughs> I'm still whopping seven, baby. Okay. I, I watched Kool-Aid McKinstry today. Okay. So I okay. am up to five. So, so that's where we're at. We're at five and seven. I haven't watched any of the offensive tackles, although I feel like I know enough about at least one of them to have like a good conversation. Um, so we'll, we'll see how this goes. We'll do one round. We'll talk about the options. The Chargers are at 10 right now. So if you are all aboard the draft train, obviously you're hoping for teams like the Titans, teams like the Giants to continue their their little hot streak right here, the Bears as well. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the Chargers. As it currently stands, the Athletics uh, draft prediction model uh, has the Chargers at six wins, picking at number six overall. So... Uh, number six, that's a great spot in this draft. You're probably talking about three quarterbacks in the top five. You're probably uh, mm-hmm. obviously Marvin Harrison Jr. So at number six, that's a great spot. That's obviously where the Chargers picked uh, Justin Herbert back in 2020. <laughs> so should be fun. Okay. Uh, so like I said, we'll do one round. We'll have some conversations about who is is likely. Again, this is at pick 10, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Okay. So pick 10. Um, I'll have it open for two rounds just so we can see like what is around in the second round, what kind of positions are available. Okay. Uh, we'll go turbo, randomness, slightly random, hopefully not too random. This is yeah. genuinely my first mock draft here, by the way. Um, Tom Telesco prefers the pro football focused mock draft, courtesy of our uh, interview with him. All right. Yep. Anyway, just had to yep. throw that out there. Way back here. Yeah. All right. Here we go. It's going to turbo through. So, Alrighty, so a lot easier to go through the recap of the first round when you're picking at 10 and not 21. Uh, so it was Drake May, then Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., Brock Bowers at four. Well, I don't know what we're supposed to talk about anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Darn, all the guys that we have watched are picked. <laughs> yeah. McKinstry it is, baby. Uh, Prashanu uh, at five, Latu to the Raiders at six. I, I hate that for them. I mean, I love it for them, but um, Joe Alt to the Jets, which it sounds like the Jets are going to go tackle if they can. Malik yeah. Neighbors to the Giants and Dallas Turner to the Titans. So, um, how are you feeling, Steven? Yeah, so <laughs> this is all the guys that we've talked about except for, or have watched except for Kool-Aid. And then you've watched, you watched Dallas Turner, did you not? I did watch Dallas Turner. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he just went to the Titans in this scenario, so. I love Dallas Turner's film last year for what it's worth. Uh, mm. We'll see how it is this year. But um, if you are, if, if you have been watching and listening to Alex Katzen's uh, videos, the Chargers uh, scouting staff went to a ton of Illinois football games this year. Uh, I believe Jerzon Newton goes by Johnny for what it's worth. Um, defensive lineman. He's definitely more of a, pass rushing guy than like a true like run stuffing guy so he is kind of more of your like three tech five tech uh romo dunze to me is is kind of redundant with mike williams so i again the chargers could be picking at a completely different spot here to me this is if you if the chargers are sticking at 10 or after which could also happen 
to me, that's that's defensive line help, whether that's Johnny Newton or another pass rusher. That's where I would be looking here, or obviously one of the corners if Kool-Aid McKinstry is, is on the board. So that's my thought process at 10 if this scenario unfolds. Mm-hmm. Um, what's kind of your thought process at 10, assuming you know the three best offensive playmakers are, are off the board here? Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Um, I'm sorry. I, you just said it. Say Rome's last name again. Odunze. Odunze. I will never get this right, but I got Tule Tuipelotu, so there's that. Yeah. Um, Odunze, I, I just do not believe that is what the Chargers need right now. Now, yeah. if Telesco is picking, you might as well bet $2 billion that that is the selection, <laughs> um, which that's kind of how I feel, right, about him in particular um, and sort of his skill set. Not yeah. a yards after a catch guy. He's a huge guy, contested catch guy. But not not a wiggle, you know, twitch guy necessarily. So take it for what it's worth. To me, it's like Drake London without the yak ability, which was kind of Drake London's thing. So you're yeah. just left with that. So anyway, point is, I do believe defense at this point would be the way to go. If I end up falling in love with another, you know, wide receiver like Coleman, who I have not watched, maybe something to consider. Of course, I'm sure everyone's talking about, you know, trading back in the chat, but given who's around and, and given what's kind of going to be falling around here, it seems like the, the first 10 picks could genuinely just be offense and maybe like lot yeah. two. Yeah. But I think you are going to be, even if you're at 10, looking at really the best defensive player. Um, Newton have not watched him. I'll have to see how he plays and what it all looks like. But, you know, there's this new trend. If you asked me three years ago, do you take a defensive tackle at 10? Right. I'd probably say no. Because that, but there's this, there's a kind of a newer ish way of thinking. And if you look, I mean, we've been talking about it all the time with Zion Johnson, who he's had to face every week. Analytics and everything is shifting towards defensive tackles, like being one, a premium position. Yeah. At this point, yeah. if they're a rusher, if they're a pass rusher, right? And you look at the way that these guys impact the game, whether it's not Jerry Tillery, but like Dexter Lawrence, for example, um, all these guys, all these guys, there's so many of them. The Chargers, sort of have win morgan fox they don't deploy a ton the difference is really he's not a they don't trust him on early downs yeah. so newton i don't know how he is against the run uh, but if if he is that guy and if he's like on many boards the top 10 kind of player i would not be against it i do i do think that you can find ways to figure out the defensive line a bit better than corner given what the chargers have at their disposal in terms of cap um, so if, if Newton is really that kind of guy, then I'd love to take him here. But to me, until I know more about him, which I do not at this point, yeah. I would feel comfortable with McKinstry, but it doesn't quite in terms of where the grade is. I don't I don't I don't see him as a top 10 player. I would not have had him over Gonzalez, over Joy Porter Jr. or over Witherspoon, in my opinion. And I don't know if I'd have him over Banks. What did you, where did you kind of settle with McKinstry? I know it's very early. Like we haven't yeah. watched five to seven games of these players, um, but I watched three, and I thought he was really really good. I just don't know if I I love him here at ten. That's my thinking as well. I I do like him. I think your big issue is is like tackling and run defense. But the game the two games that I watched, I feel like he at least showed up well enough for me. Like, Mm. it's not like, I hate picking on him this, but like, 
Asante Samuel Jr., like when he makes a tackle, I'm like, oh, like, there we go. Like, finally, like a good tackle. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the, Asante just can't tackle. But like, Kool-Aid, I think, at, which is so funny that it's his, his actual name. Um, Kool-Aid, I think, actually tries and he has the skill set to, to tackle. But I think for me, it's this is uh, a really rare thing in this class. Like, it, we'll see how this one works out, right? But like, this cornerback class from a measurement standpoint is very similar to like last year's receiver class where you're really taking a lot of probably nickel cornerbacks, which it, in my opinion is, is a starting caliber corner. Like I think, yeah. you know, we've, we've really seen this year, like the impact of having a quality slot can do for your defense. Mm-hmm. Kool-Aid is probably the only true like boundary corner like exclusive boundary corner even his teammate Dar- uh Tarion Arnold I think his name he's a little bit smaller and he does play a little bit in the slot for Alabama so I I think it's an interesting s- spot to be in you know because Kool-Aid plays the premium position in my opinion cornerback is the biggest need he's really the only true outside cornerback in this class but I think there are like legitimate concerns about him. Like, like to me, you know, there's real flashes of like high end athletic traits. There's real flashes yeah. of ball skills. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't love the consistency aspect of things. Like that was more my concern than the tackling because I think the tackling is there. The consistency of of just like playing the football the right way. The consistency of the effort plays the right way. Like, yeah, I watched him against LSU and I thought he played extremely well mm-hmm. and then I watched him against South Carolina I was kind of like eh, I don't know if I love this or not yeah so I think just the consistency consistency aspect is is my big thing but from a traits perspective like he he has the highest ceiling of the class I, it feels weird to say this because it, it feels very like Quentin Johnson-esque although I think his film <laughs> is better than Quentin's was but like yes you know what I mean like yes if, if Kool-Aid hits He's far and away the best cornerback in the class, in my opinion, because he has the physical traits that nobody else in the class does. Yeah, I definitely see what you're trying to say there. I think that McKinstry does enough NFL things where you feel like that is translatable. Yeah. Quentin, some would say it's kind of a manufactured sort of thing or, you know, a lot done, but with not a whole lot in terms of NFL right. translation at the current moment. And we've seen that. Um, so, yeah, McKinstry... Um, I forget who we were just talking to it with somebody. Maybe it was in our chat or something. But like McKinstry does have that kind of future all pro like skill set. And there's things that he does. I mean, I think yeah. in the two games against LSU, it was like 28 yards total allowed yeah. against that quarterback. Those were great film. And I know yeah. against Georgia in the championship game, he had a really solid game. I haven't watched the film of that one. But like watching it live, it was like Kool-Aid, yeah. Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid. Yeah. And I was like, damn, okay, like here's this guy. Um, so it, it, it is just, he, he feels like the outlier in this class because of his size, because of his length, because of his athletic profile. And he's the only true like boundary corner. Like, yeah, I don't want this to turn in like to, to shit on QJ. Like, you know, like <laughs> he's the equivalent of QJ. I, I just mean more so like from yeah. a size profile mm. in a class that's more like smaller oh, I gotcha. slot guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to check out more. Um, is, is, Okay, so again, I'm outing myself as someone who literally does not watch college football live. Is it DeGene? I think so. I think so. Is he? I, I feel like the last time I looked him up, they, they weren't sure if he was returning to school. And there's also some like injury, I think, concern in there. 
So injury, he should be fine. He had okay. like a high ankle sprain. So um, he should be fine from a draft standpoint. There is a chance that he goes back to school. I think um, yeah. Dane Brugger was talking about this. Some people in the league view him as a safety and some people view him as a slot corner. So it's kind of a similar conversation to like Brian Branch last year. Um, he's also an electric return specialist. Like he like mm. won games basically by himself as a punt returner at <laughs> Iowa because yeah. they don't score any points. <laughs> um, but there is there is chatter that Cooper DeGene w- is considering going back to school. So, you know, I, like I said before, I think like the Chargers at 10 for him is probably a bit much. But if he declares and they were to trade down, like I'd be okay with it because I just think they need like yeah more foundational football players and you can figure out DeGene's position later. Like I don't think it's that big of an issue, but um, t- to me, him at 10 is is probably a little bit rich from a pure like cornerback standpoint or safety standpoint. I'm curious where the teams behind the Chargers just on this current board are going to be and, and where they feel with their quarterback situation. You have Falcons, you have Saints, um rams are probably fine but you never know when they're trying to invest broncos cardinals probably already took care of their business um that's probably it bucks yeah so you know just like just like looking at trade partners to try to get out of there um we'll see Uh, we'll see um some people really like dallas turner um gavino really likes dallas turner i have not watched a ton of him yet um but he's i don't know some of these guys are just a tier below the guys that i really want in like that top eight yeah, that are there. Like they're good, but there's a certain greatness in that top seven ish, it seems, top eight. Yeah. I think Turner and Chop Robinson are very similar players from like more of their speed players, their, you know, bendy players. Whereas yeah. Jared Verse and Liatsu Latsu, they're like the power rushers. So it is kind of a pick your flavor choice. And like, totally. we know that Thule is going to be back, you know, so you could theoretically have like a speed rusher opposite of him if you're trying to like balance things out a little bit. Um, but we, I, I haven't watched verse. I, I watched him. I actually graded him last year cause there was a ton of smoke about mm. him coming out. And then he went back to school. Um, I had him as like a, a borderline first round grade. I didn't love him, but I, I liked him a decent amount last year. And it sounds like he kind of had a worse season this year. So, mm. uh, we'll see what happens there. But the other, uh, draft scenario here, this is probably, uh, can you scroll down a little bit on the player side? Uh, sure. Okay, so this is, yeah, this is probably like the start of that second run of offensive tackles. Um, JC uh, Latham, I think his name is, and then the one from Oregon State. I uh, honestly do not know how to say his name. He's a Polynesian fella. He's up, 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 up. And then Amarius Mims from Georgia was down there, but he's probably that one. Uh, Taliese Fuaga, I think is how you say it. So this is probably like the start of their range. I have not watched them yet uh Taliese Fuaga destroyed Utah for what it's worth and is the only offensive tackle to show out well against Jonah Ellis this year so I do have like I've watched him play just not film wise but what's your take on like first round offensive tackle potential for the Chargers you know again they could be in the top six where maybe you get Olu uh Fashanu maybe you can get Joe Alt in that scenario um what's your take on offensive linemen for the Chargers in the first round Man, <laughs> it, okay. So, given the play of the right tackle this year for the Chargers, and in general, most seasons, but the play is not great. 
I'm all for a right tackle in the first round. I want a trench player. Even the year there were some pretty good receivers in 2021, I wanted an offensive tackle. We got Rashawn Slater, so that worked out no problem. Yeah. But even if it were Derrissaw, I wanted Derrissaw. You, you just got to go get one of these good tackles when the play has just been atrocious. And it's tough because Justin Herbert is now you know done for the season. Multiple injuries over the last couple of years. Um, so I, I totally get it. And I, I honestly get anyone who says they want to go for a right tackle here. The one holdup is that the Chargers are basically stuck. I don't know how the Chargers managed to make this work. The, the they, they have no cap savings by cutting Trey Pipkins. They actually lose cap yeah. by cutting Trey Pipkins. They yeah. lose $750,000 by cutting Trey Pipkins. And he's got a cap number that isn't very high, but still. I guess my only thing is, they could they could treat this like a Michael Davis situation where, well, we've got a $10 million gunner. Not that Pipkins is playing gunner by any means, nice. um, but, you know, jumbo swing tackle. tackle. Yeah. Sure. Which I don't know as far as swing tackle goes. That is not a Pipkins is certainly not a bad swing tackle option. Yeah. I just I just think the Chargers are financially stuck next year and they haven't done a good job of accumulating draft picks. They just don't really have a lot of options here. I, I think the Chargers are hoping with better offensive line coaching and play or whatever that their whole offensive line returns to what they saw in 2022 versus what we've seen this past year. So we'll see. I think I, I guess got to see more. Like we'll see, I think, Max Crosby versus Trey Pipkins this week. Got to see how that goes. Um, I, I just think they're stuck. I mean, it, it's... An eight point seven five million dollar cap hit for Trey Pipkins. It's not going to kill you, you know. You're not, I would understand why you would bench him, but your first round pick has to come in and play immediately. And I guess this yeah. right tackle would, but you better hope this right tackle is coming into play and is ready to go here. Because if you pass, if you take a tackle, what is your plan at DB? What is your plan at corner? Right. You take McKinstry, and it's like, all right, cool. That makes Starting sense. Corner. Starting corner immediately, right tackle. That's probably your starting right tackle anyway. But the, what the heck are you doing with the rest of the line? So, the, I think they're just kind of stuck with Trey Pipkins for better or worse. I think you start talking to me about day two and finding a tackle and may the best man win. That I could see more, but at at ten, I just I don't quite see it right now. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page. I I would totally understand it. Um, you know, like I said last week, I am. I'm heading into this draft thinking whatever they decide, I'm honestly kind of cool with outside of like taking a linebacker, which there aren't any in the first round anyway, um, <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> which again, sounds like a bad linebacker class. It's almost like that's a problem position in college football. So that's fun. Um, but yeah, I think it's under consideration. Like I, it's not ideal that you're paying that much to Trey and him being like a potential swing tackle. You know, it's also not that unprecedented. Like the the yeah. Rams gave um not is it Havenstein or is it the other guy? Uh Noteboom. Joe Noteboom. Joe Noteboom, they gave a pretty big contract to, and they actually kicked him inside to guard. He was playing like he was Andrew Whitworth's like replacement and gave a pretty big contract to him, and they kicked him inside a guard. Trey cannot play guard. I like I know that. Like he's he's not going <laughs> to play guard. I'm very uncomfortable with that idea. Um, but it, it's, 
it, it's kind of just where they're at. You know, they kind of just, they just need more building block players. And I think if you're picking at 10, which again, could be very different in the next, it could be very different as of next Monday when we're, we're, we're when we're next recording. So mm-hmm. um, if tackle is the best player here, I'm okay with it. For me, the offensive tackle discussion, it, it it's benefits the Chargers either way. Because mm-hmm. if you love Taliese Fuaga, he's a great right tackle fit. Like it's very clean, you know, swap in for a starting caliber tackle. Great. You can take that player. Or somebody else might really love him and you can use that leverage to trade down. And the Chargers need more picks. So that that's to me like the offensive tackle is a win-win situation for me. Because if you want to take one, I totally get it. I understand it. Yes, it's not ideal. Yes, there are other positions that are like bigger needs, but you can either take one or trade down. <laughs> NSN saying trade Pipkins. Nobody's doing that. <laughs> nobody wants. I love to. I love Trey, but like nobody's gonna want to take on that contract, and nobody's gonna want to trade for a player who's really struggled this year. So Trey's had one good season last year, and a very up and down season this year, and a very down previous seasons before that, and he was a mm-hmm. third round project, like you'd have to really convince somebody to trade him. And again, it doesn't benefit you from a cap standpoint. So he's going to be on the roster. I think he probably ends up being their starting rag tackle next year again, Uh, maybe with a shorter leash. But to me, like the offensive tackle situation from a draft perspective is great. It's a great offensive tackle class. You can take one, you get a future right tackle starter, or you can use that to trade down. So that's the next thing I want to look at here, Tyler. If you want to look at mm-hmm. trade down options and we can discuss like how far down from 10 would you be willing to go and and who's kind of interested in this. Okay. Do you want me to click the ones that they've sort of highlighted as trade options? Or do you want me to just look? Um, you can like... just click on the, the four that they have highlighted here. Okay. I don't know why PFF has this like scrunched version where I can't read everything. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I did also Rams... ask you to zoom in, so. Oh yeah. So Rams at 14. Uh that's an offer that's there. I don't know why I can't get to the next one. Oh wait. Nope. 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 Select a team to trade with. Rams. Guys, we'll get this figured out. <laughs> what are you uh, trying to do? Sorry. Well, it says okay, so the trade icon has the number four next to it. I assumed there were so if you click on the drop down next to the Rams, that's where you can choose like the next teams that are interested in. And then you have to scroll. Ah, down. okay. Yeah. Well, okay. 49ers at 31, which would be interesting. Giants at 40, Browns at 56. I don't think any of those are happening. No. No one's trading from 56 no. either way. I don't th- I think that's unprecedented. Yeah. That's fine. Um, so yeah, I'm, not, I'm training down to 14. That doesn't really net you a ton. Um, I think if you're at 10. And you're the Chargers, you're probably trying to get, you know, another top 40 pick if you're potentially trading down. So we can kind of discuss that at a later time, I guess, in a different simulation. Yeah, uh, we'll have to know more. I think on like different ones, we can just prep some ahead of time to get yeah. something. Yeah. All right. Um so let's let's do a pick and then we'll kind of see where they're at in the second round. Okay, sounds, sounds good. good. Yep. And then I, I want to pick your brain about some of these guys that we didn't get to draft. Yeah. Um, for sure. Okay. So Newton, 
I think we're on the same page. Newton or McKinstry. It's so it's sight unseen for me with, with Newton, but I yeah. think given what we've heard from cats and there's also, you know, a lot of good, like round two ish corners out there. So, um, I don't know that McKinstry is a love it enough player. I'm going to pretend like Newton is a player that I absolutely love and I and really liked. It does seem like he is that kind of guy. So I would prefer him here, but that is very sight unseen. And I literally have not graded any day two corners. I've seen Arnold. Of course, people are mentioning Arnold in the chat, but that was just kind of by watching McKinstry. Sure. He definitely popped for sure. But um, I kind of like Newton here. Um, if he's a player that just has like is a love it blue chip kind of player, obviously the best at his position right now in this in this mock. I'd prefer him, but again, sight unseen. I, I'm fine with Newton. Uh, you guys in the chat, let us know. Uh, Newton or McKinstry is is kind of our debate here, so uh, let us know your opinion there. Um, to me, this is. I guess you're trying to weigh like positive outcomes, like Johnny Newton. Um, like, what's his best case scenario? And neither of us have watched him. I've just seen like clips of him and stuff like that. Um, whereas. You know, you, with a corner like Kool Aid, if he hits, like you're talking about a potential like All Pro, so mm-hmm. I'm fine either way right now. And not having watched him, Let, um, let's let's do what's probably the smart thing given the roster. We've been talking about it, and we yeah. both watched the player. McKinstry sound good. Yeah, McKinstry is what is what I would do even yeah. in this situation. I might like Newton more, but like getting a true cornerback one in this class, like it it, mm-hmm. it would it would change the defense. And we've seen that like without, you know, Michael Davis last year, the way he was playing last year, it changed the defense that he was hurt in the playoff game. It changed the defense that he was very much regressed in a bad way this year. Like Dean Leonard stabilizing cornerback one was, was very beneficial. So yeah. I would, I would choose McKinstry here, just premium position for me. I know defensive tackles like getting there, but I would go McKinstry over Newton personally. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Given the roster, that's that's fine by me. If you want to makeshift up your D-line with other players, and Morgan Fox is returning, um, I think. So I, I think you could talk yourself into that where the Chargers have nothing in the barrel when it comes to corner right now. Yeah. Okay, so pick 42. I, I think the reason why you consider trading down is because this second round, that's where you're probably taking a center. And I know mm-hmm. that that's like a huge need for people. I watched Jackson Powers Johnson and I love Jackson Powers Johnson. Um, I yeah. don't know if you've watched him outside of some things, but um, for those who don't know, obviously he's, he's an Oregon Ducks center. He won center of the year. He won the Remington. Um, I don't think he's like a Creed Humphrey or Tyler Linderbaum uh, kind of center prospect. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that he rises past this spot so i do think he would be around the 40 range um but he's an athletic freak from what i've seen very powerful strike there's there's some base issues for me that kind of lead him to losing one-on-one battles and you know he is kind of scheme specific so that kind of is tbd like i don't think that he can play in like a true like gap power scheme but if you're running a zone heavy scheme, like Jackson Powers Johnson is a fantastic pick. So I know that he's going to be mentioned here. I'm a fan. 
not a fan in the first round, but in the 40s, yeah. I can definitely justify taking like your future center. So I'm a fan of him. Although, you know, I understand like in this instance, you know, there are some other options. So uh, we can look at them. But I did want to start with uh, Mr. Jackson Powers Johnson. I'm curious how coveted he's going to be, just given that you look at, we've looked at the center class and we all unanimously agree that it's not good. Uh, Connor Williams now has a toe injury that really just muddies everything in terms of the center yeah. market. So everyone looking for a center, I assume if it holds like this and there's no, you know, guard in here switching to center that maybe we're missing or for whatever reason tackle the center. I'm not saying that's happening. Yeah. But I'm trying to say is all things, it seems like Powers Johnson is the center one and he's going to be that guy as center one and the most coveted center by every team. I'm very curious how high he goes just for that fact alone. He got yeah. nothing in free agency and he's center one in the draft. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if like the, the Titans, their offensive line is terrible. Would they take one potentially? Um, but if, if, if Power Johnson is there, there may be some growing pains in year one. Of course, like Will Clapp will be, well, not will be, something like Will Clapp be, being yeah. back, um, you know, would, would help things quite a bit. But when these teams have just hit on a center prospect, it's just changed the trajectory of their offense. Um, Linderbaum, of course, this past season, um, Creed Humphrey immediately, you know, these guys just change the trajectory of the offense. And then, of course, you draft well around them, elevate the floor of everybody else around them. Yeah. So if the Chargers get him and he hits, that's years and years and years of elite play where, you know, the Chargers have always gotten somebody that you're thinking three to five years with that player. With Powers Johnson, if they hit, this is a decade. Like, this is the center you have yeah. for a very, very, very long time. So if, if he's that guy, I've not watched him. But if he, I mean, he's obviously very good. No problem with him here at all. Yeah, uh, as uh, Seepole points out in the chat, um, mm. uh, Graham Barton from Duke is a guy who's he he's basically like Zach Tom 2.0 in terms of like his profile. Like he's played center and offensive tackle, so a lot of people do view him as as a center. Some people view him as a guard. You know, he's got a lot of versatility, and when he gets to the Senior Bowl, he'll do a lot of that. So maybe he becomes kind of center one, but I, I kind of tend to think that like. A lot of playing center as a former center, I can say this. It's not just something you can switch inside and like, hey, like he plays center and magically like you solve all the issues. <laughs> like it's such a mental position that you have to direct everything along the offensive line. Most teams you have to set protections. You have to be the communicator, the leader. You you can't just go from offensive tackle to center and be like the best center in the class for me. So I, I think that he might challenge for center two, meaning a Graham Barton. But to me, like Jackson Powers Johnson is is going to be that guy. Like I think, yeah. The question for him really is like, like you mentioned, how high can he go? Because yeah. even Creed Humphrey, who in my opinion has been far and away the best center prospect of the last five years, he was a second round pick. He went in like the sixties. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just not a position that teams value all that much in terms of draft capital which to me is so silly because like yeah it's such a big advantage if you have that guy and you can help your young quarterback or veteran quarterback and like if you can have a high-end center like we've seen this year without Corey Lindsley Wilcox a fine backup but if you have a high-end center it's such a big advantage maybe he's not even there maybe he's not there at 42 
maybe he's there in the third round. Like I think the ranges of centers is so drastic, which is very unfortunate to me because it is a position that should be treated at a much higher level. And so, yeah, there are other teams that need centers, um, but maybe those teams favor premium positions in the top 50. And so I would say that there's a pretty good chance that Jackson Powers Johnson is on the board in the second round when the Chargers are picking. It's just a matter of like, are they in a, in a position where, okay, let's take a cornerback in round one, let's take yeah. a wide receiver in round two, or or let's take a defensive lineman or an edge rusher. Like, it, it, it's just not a position that teams value all that much in terms of the draft. So that's that's really the thing for, for Jackson Powers Johnson because I think he's going to end up as a top 25 grade for me just based off of, like, how I feel for him right now. Um, but not every team is going to draft a center in the, in the top 50. Yeah, and of course, nor do they need one. So I would love an outcome like this where the Chargers get the best player or projected player at their position in round one at, at 10 or six or whatever it is. Yeah. And then honestly, being able to get another player that's supposedly the best at his position in the second round. Yeah. I mean, on, on the big board, he probably is the best player available anyway. So it's nice that, you know, instead of worrying about maybe which corner could be here or whatever, you got your corner in round one, or you got your defensive player, whoever that is, in round one. You can go ahead and get a center here and feel really good yeah. about that. So th this would, you know, the, honestly, we talked about the two things we talked about on the Chargers channel. What are the two things that have kept the Chargers out of the postseason? It's secondary play and not being able to pick up a blitz. Well, the number one corner and the number one center are a really good way to yeah. change that for the Chargers, which means they'll go linebacker and <laughs> tight end, which, you know. If you flip those, I'm okay with it. If you can get Brock that Bowers means, and then take yes. a linebacker, I'm okay with it. Um, I'm not okay with it, but I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jackson Powers Johnson is a great player. If they can get him in the second round, I kind of don't care about like the draft value. Like, I took him in this same scenario uh, earlier today, and it gave me like a C minus grade. Like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm getting. Why? I, 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 it's the it's the draft value like they don't value centers that highly so that's the thing here um if you want yeah if you can scroll down maybe a little bit we can see who else is here um so this is kind of like corner range for the team if you pass on one in the first round um jatavian sanders i watched he's not a second round player for me. Like he will not be like, I'm yeah, really yeah. hoping that there, I'm really <laughs> hoping do. there's, I'm really hoping there's another tight end in this class. That's better than him. Cause if he's tight end too, we're in trouble. Uh, got it. Got it. So Chris Jenkins is the other guy I was going to mention here. He, awesome. uh, you pass him. He's up. He's the Michigan defensive line. Ah. There you go. So he didn't produce a ton at Michigan. They rotate a ton of guys. He, so he doesn't play a whole lot. He made Feldman's freak list. He's like one of the more athletic players on their team. His dad played in the NFL for a very long time. So that, that could be kind of your Johnny Newton consolation prize. If you're interested in like really finding mm -hmm. a defensive lineman piece, I think Chris Jenkins is probably your guy here. If you're yeah, like, if, if you're a person who's heading into the draft with the chargers thinking you want, let's say a wide receiver in round one and a defensive lineman in round two kind of thing. Chris Jenkins probably is your guy. Like he's probably your Johnny Newton consolation prize. Cool. I'll have to give him a watch. Uh, now I gotta, now I gotta spend my whole weekend watching these prospects so I can get a better <laughs> mock draft next time. Yeah. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm on Christmas break as of Friday. So next week I'm going to be watching Thanks. a whole lot of draft prospects. Thanks. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs>
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just for vibes, let's let's select Jackson Powers Johnson, and then we'll uh, talk about some of those other guys. I was not expecting 56 minutes out of today's show, so that's kind of where things are at, I guess. It's better than talking about the offense, I'll tell you that. Grading my draft. Here we go. Uh, Jason is in the chat. It is a D minus for taking Jackson Powers Johnson. <laughs> They're, like it's it's a positional value thing like it really is so um let us know in the chat what you guys think uh, i know jason is in here he's a big fan of kool-aid mckinstry i think he uh would be very happy with that one so let us know you take cornerback one and then jackson powers johnson uh in round two so let us know what you guys think there we'll have much more in-depth mock drafts later in the process once we start really watching these guys yeah no i i I don't know, man. I, I got a mock draft of board of, or I got a draft board of seven right now, and six went before the Chargers picked in our first round. So we got Gavino ah, in the yeah. chat too. So Gavino says Chris Jenkins has good hands, leverage, and burst. Very good run defender. Stacking and shedding ability is solid. So I thought he was kind of. I thought like his reputation was kind of a pass rusher. That doesn't sound like that's the case. So, hmm. um, okay, let's talk about the the top five guys. Um, All right. I love Brock Bowers and I love Malik Neighbors. What are uh, your thoughts about those two players? Uh, Brock Bowers, it was, it's just a, Brock Bowers is a reset of what you think a player can do, like a tight end can do, um, at least as a, in terms of a prospect, right? There are players, you know, loved the tight end class last year. And we talked about, you know, how, what a deep class it was and a lot of really good players. But even in that class, there was there's no one that was Brock Bowers, you know, and, and people that was more of a, I think, solid, you know, mid first to the rest of the draft kind of tight end class. There was no Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers, what he does is, I mean, I, I saw glimpses of it. I've seen the highlights. And then you just watch play after play after play. And there was one game where he had a handoff for a touchdown, a contested catch deep ball for a touchdown, <laughs> yeah. and then a yak, like 50-yarder for a touchdown where he made guys miss. And it's like, that's all the ways you can score. Like, he pretty yeah. much did everything yeah. other than throw it. Um, it's unfair that he can block like he does, that he can line up out wide in the slot, in the backfield, as the fullback, as yeah. the H-back, as the tight end, and run wherever you need him to. Um, it, it speaks really to uh, his IQ, that they're just immediately Georgia got him and went do all do everything for us, yeah. and he excelled at every spot. So to me, like if he doesn't hit in the NFL, you screwed up or he got hurt. Like I don't see how he does not make it as a yeah. pretty darn good tight end in the NFL. Um, and the neighbors, hold on, neighbor, sorry, let, let, let's yeah, let's just talk about Bowers first. Okay, 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 okay. I, I want to have some things here too, but yeah. Um, so there were so I the first game I watched of his was South Carolina from this year in terms of game tape, um, and in the span of like fifteen plays, like like you mentioned, he was in the backfield, he was in the slot, he was as an X, he was as a Z, he was in line tight end, he was an H back, he was uh, doing everything right. It's incredible to watch. I've I've don't think I've ever seen a tight end be used this way, and people are going to have the conversation. Some people will prefer like what Kyle Pitts was as a prospect. Some people will prefer Brock Bowers as a prospect. But that's the conversation you're having. This is a once in an every five years player at the position. 
And this is a guy who can do everything at the position. Like I, I knew about all of the receiving stuff. I knew about his athletic ability, but this guy can block man, like actually block. Like, I don't think he's Darnell Washington by any means. Like, I don't think he's a guy who, I mean, you're not drafting him for this, but like, he's not a guy where like as a blocker, you're going to put him on an Island against an edge rusher and say, Hey, go block this guy in pass protection. You know, he's not a guy on the front side that can, that is going to like set the edge on his own, but like he does everything else. He can cut off the backside. He can work combo combination blocks. He can cut across the formation in motion and kick out defensive ends. He can lead block and kick out linebackers. He's an effective blocker. So for me, like people are going to ask this question for me, Brock Bowers is going to be the best tight end I've graded. And that includes over Kyle Pitts because of what he can do as a blocker. So like I tweeted out like, oh, like Brock Bowers season and people like, oh, if we took a tight end, I'm going to riot. Like then you're not watching the guy like you need to watch the the player and realize that he is more than a tight end. Um, You know, to me, this is a guy who you like you just talked about, like, you know, Jackson Powers Johnson, you take him in 10 years. He's your guy. Brock Bowers, you take and he is your tight end one. He's a franchise cornerstone for the next 10 years walking in and. If he goes to a team with a a terrible quarterback situation, I think it's the same kind of thing. Like, unless he gets treated like Kyle Pitts is doing in Atlanta, but if you use him, he's a franchise cornerstone player at tight end. So, like, he's a tight end, but really, he's just simply an offensive weapon. Like, he is one of the best players I have ever graded at any position in the last five years. So let's do this then. Let's. Some people are mentioning in the chat like he's a weapon, and you're talking about him like not just as a tight end, but as a weapon. Yeah. Given the receivers and the tight ends we've we've graded, let's say 21, 22, 23, and I guess now Bowers and twenty four and neighbors. Where do you have him in that realm of like as a weapon? Chase Smith, Waddle, Bowers, Neighbors, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, or whatever. Like to me, he's. I mean, and Pitts, obviously. Yeah. Top three of that group in terms of weapon. Yeah. Top three, absolutely. Um, I think, uh, like I just said, I'm going to have him over Kyle Pitts. Like, he's he's the best tight end that I've... Created, I think I would agree. Like, period. Um, in terms of, like, stacking him up with the weapons, I have only watched one Marvin Harrison Jr. game. Oh, yeah, I've that also, guy. <laughs> I've also seen him in person as a freshman, I think. Uh, against Utah in the Rose Bowl, um, he's he's probably going to be number one, Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, so I think the conversation is Bowers versus Jamar Chase, and I think that kind of depends like how you felt about yeah not having a junior season, or I guess it would have been a retro sophomore season for Jamar Chase. Like I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's close between him and Jamar Chase. So he's definitely top three of what I've graded. Um, I think it just kind of depends like how you feel about Jamar Chase. Yeah. Definitely. And like push to comes to shove, I probably would have recommended Chase because then you just pick like receiver over tight end, I guess. Sure. But no, it's the fact that it is that close is what we're I'm trying to get out here. It's yeah. not like, oh, it's just a tight end. Like, no, like <laughs> like I'd take him over Devonta Smith, you know, over Jalen Waddle in terms of what he can do as a weapon. Yeah. And the the Chargers, like everything that he provides, they could use desperately. <laughs> yeah. I think like it it drastically changes your offense. Like uh, we can get to him now, but I, like I think if you're having the conversation between him and Malik Neighbors, 
I think Malik Neighbors is a very specific role who will be mm-hmm. great at that role. Yes. But Brock Neighbors changes your offense. And like that's that to me is the conversation between those two. And we'll dive more into that in the offseason and things like that. But um Malik Neighbors is a ton of fun. Like, like by by no means am, am I like anti-Malik Neighbors. I think he is definitely worthy of a top six uh selection for 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 the Chargers. He's the perfect receiver that they need because you can he's more of a slot and a z lsu would use him as as an x from time to time that's not really his game in my opinion like he tries hard at it and like he's tough and like i really do appreciate that part of his game but what i love about him is is his acceleration and how fast he gets upfield and then he just has a different kind of feel for like angles and timing and things Mm -hmm. like that and like the the first clip that I tweeted out, he gets into this soft spot of the zone, and instead of like turning right away and like running, he kind of like like hitched for a second, which allowed the which forced the the, the defender who was coming. In, I think it was a safety. He kind of overran it, and then he just whoosh, zoomed right by him. And so Malik Neighbors is a ton of fun. I think you're a little bit higher on him than I am, but uh, you know at least early right now. But he's absolutely worth like a top six selection as well. Like I think he is definitely somebody who can come in and be, you know, a high end wide receiver two, maybe not a, a true like wide receiver one in an offense. But in this situation for the Chargers, that would be a fantastic outcome because he's the perfect receiver he needs. He has a ton of juice, like actual juice, vertical threat. The the fit is a little questionable because I think that Keenan, Palmer, and Quentin are all back next year. Um, but I think again, at the end of the day, like you kind of figure out the rest later. So what's, like I mentioned, I think you're probably a little bit higher on neighbors. So what's Mm -hmm. your impression of him so far? Yeah, a a ton of fun. And even on the outside, that's definitely not like he's not Mike Williams, for example, but I'll watch him get five yards of separation on a back shoulder fade somehow. Um, and just watching stuff like that, he occasionally will flash like a, Oh, Oh, okay. I didn't know you could do that. So you just kind of add that to it. Um, the way you were describing it, the angles and everything that he understands, that was really my big takeaway. Some guy didn't let it go for 22 years. And that just looks like neighbors. Like neighbors just understands and is a natural with it. In a sense, kind of like say flowers kind of was a natural with the ball in his hands. Yeah. Um, I think neighbors is a tier above that and certainly just athletic profile in general. Yeah. And even, you know, strength of competition and production. Um, he's higher up there anyway, but just, some guys just get it. Some guys just play football really well and get it. And watching him with the special plays that he he makes, um, was it Florida that you were watching earlier that we started to comment on? Yeah. Just watching that play, then the following play where it's like, okay, let's take a, a corner or whatever it was. Um, okay, caught the corner. Now let's take it 40 more yards through three people. Right. Right. You just start watching stuff like that and go, okay, that's that's different. And it's funny, you were watching that game and you were also watching the Dolphins game. <laughs> we had the same thought because I was yeah. watching that specific Waddle caught like a, a shallow crosser or a slot. You yep. kind of had to make one guy miss as soon as he caught it and took it for more yards. And I went, that really looks like Malik <laughs> And then you messaged me and you're like, hey, yeah, I'm totally watching Malik yep. Yeah, and I was like, okay, so if that's how we're feeling, yeah, it doesn't have the same gear, I don't think, that Waddle did. But just, just yeah. that I'm going to break your defense kind of player. Yeah, um, he's just he's just special in that regard. Um, we'll see if you definitely like a more of a, a route runner type then like Garrett Wilson would have been more your guy in this class sure. than someone like Malik neighbors. But 
what neighbors does to just break a defense by himself that's kind of what you're looking for and i don't feel like it's a quentin johnson yak situation where quentin johnson didn't have some of the other things i think malik neighbors is far more complete oh and by the way he's freaking awesome at yak as well yeah i think like the speed the 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 acceleration is is truly top notch like that's where you see jalen waddle stuff but i think like when you're making that comparison too, like i didn't feel like there was a ton of like feel and nuance in Jalen Waddle's game. It was just a lot of like, Hey, I'm faster than anybody on this field. And I'm going to show that. And Malik neighbors has that too, but I love the pace that he plays with too. Like, it's not just always like run really fast. Like he's really like nuanced with his pace, which, which is a super crucial aspect for a speed guy. It's the difference between a guy like Marquez Valdez Scantling and somebody like Jalen Waddle who can like, really manipulate his speed so like there was um there was a post route against florida state that i watched where he just had like this he just has like a violence with him in how he like sets up a corner right and then he just snaps and then he just just accelerates at the highest level so i i love malik neighbors i think he much like Jalen waddle is a wide receiver one in most classes but like waddle you know, Lake Neighbors has the unfortunate uh, positioning to being behind Marvin Harrison Jr. I think mm-hmm. in non-Marvin Harrison Jr., Jamar Chase level prospect classes, he's a wide receiver one. So I think, you know, he would have been wide receiver one in last year's class by a wide margin, wide margin. And oh, I, yeah. I, I think I really like Jackson Smith and Jigba's game. Um, but Malik Neighbors is just, just kind of different. So we'll see what happens. I think the Chargers probably got to get a top six pick to have a chance at Malik Damers. I think anything after yeah. that, you're probably being a little, little risky. And I think for Bowers, because he's like a tight end and he has that label, I think you're probably safe in the top eight. I don't know, but I think yeah. for neighbors, because he plays receiver, I think he's, and this is a pretty, pretty stacked receiver class. I think you probably got to get top six to get neighbors. Yeah. The, the one to watch will probably be the jets. I think they're just kind of offense regardless. The defense yeah. is fine. So it's going to be either tackle receiver or Bowers, um, yeah. whatever you need Aaron Rodgers for this final year. Let's go do it. So I think that's the one to watch. Um, the discussion I think we'll eventually have is where Lossy fits in here, because sure. I would He's take so him over over neighbors. I'll be completely honest. Um, really? Yeah, and it's it's obviously tough, right? Chargers have Tuli and Mac. The Chargers wide receivers they have Keenan, Josh, Quentin. Hopefully those things all come together and work out in the end but lot to man like he just he just he should be a top three selection in a lot of drafts uh, medical is pending right which yeah. hasn't stopped him from having 130 pressures and 30 sacks the last two years yeah. but you know got so i'm assuming that they're all fine and checked out but Latu is just you rarely find a player that's that good on tape who's clearly the best guy at his position who has an easy top 10 grade, um, no problem with that one, who also is first in PFF's grade, who's first in win rate, first in productivity, first in pressures, first in sight. Like, it just, when it, when they just are neon signing, pointing you at a player, their name's probably Evan Neal, then you screw up, and then I look like an <laughs> idiot. But otherwise, <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, go for those players. You know, like, sometimes it's just easy. Who's the best edge rusher? Hutchinson. Who's the best edge rusher? Will Anderson. Like, and you take those guys. You take them in yeah. the top five. Take them second and second. Well, uh, unless you're the Jaguars. 
<laughs> and that hasn't worked out. No. <laughs> um, so not that he's terrible, but he's not yeah. Hutchinson, you know? So yeah. I, I sometimes when they just tell you which one's the best one in the draft, that's that's typically that person. Yeah. So like you mentioned, the the injury history is is really the thing. For those who don't know, he he medic medically retired first and then he ended up at UCLA. It's it's gonna be a comparison that's made, but like from a play style standpoint, I think they're very different, but it's a very similar story and like player arc to Jalen Phillips. Of course, Jalen went from UCLA to Miami and, and Latu went from Washington to UCLA. Um, but the medical history definitely needs to get checked out. Yeah. I'm a big fan of his. I have not watched the tape, but like he's a pass rusher first and foremost, but his run tape also is fantastic. Like I watched him against Utah basically single handedly control the front. And the Murphy twins, who were the other edge rushers, also had some stuff to do with that. But he's not just a like a designated pass rusher. Like I think there is a world where a guy like Chop Robinson, a guy like uh, Dallas Turner, they're more on the designated pass rusher side of things. Whereas Latu is like a legitimate like edge one. Like he's going to be your your guy going forward. And even if you have Khalil Mack and Thule. Great man, like we saw how effective <laughs> the the trio of of Mac Tooley and Joey were. Like now you get Latu in that fashion too. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But I think Latu's is, you know, once I dive into his film more specifically, but he's definitely worthy of a top eight to twelve selection in my opinion at this point in time. Once we yeah. see the film, once the medicals check out, we'll see if that gets higher. But he's definitely worthy of a top ten pick. Yeah, but of the three that we sort of are talking about here, I do think Bowers is one, probably ends up being the better grade anyway. And yeah. two, less questions like, oh, which receiver? Like, what if Quentin and this? And what if Keenan? Or what if Tuli? What if yeah. Mark Bowers is your tight Like, that's it. He's your tight end. Yeah. One. It's over. Yeah. Like, no problem. You're over. You're done. Good job. Yeah. So we'll see how this changes specifically, but people are already asking me, like, Bowers or this guy? Bowers or that guy? If Bowers is there, I'm taking him and I'm walking him to the all pro teams for the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that. Especially, you know, maybe Kelsey's uh, winding down, going to start his new uh, eras tour. No, that's a terrible. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> not, I'm not you know, that one. Yeah. yeah, you're you're fine. We can workshop the, the Kelsey retirement, Taylor Swift stuff. My yeah, wife is it. very invested into the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift relationship, as well as the Josh Allen, Haley Steinfeld relationship. So uh, we can talk about that on the show for sure. Um, man, I was definitely not expecting uh, like 45, 50 minutes on draft talk when we've watched eight players each, basically. So yeah. Uh, was a ton of fun. I, I think it scratched an itch for us because we have did. nothing to talk about it right did. now. <laughs> no, dude, it's I feel like since week two, you and I just like end the show and just say, Oh god, I'm so miserable. Like <laughs> it's just so, it's just so miserable. When the Chargers went 0 2 to start the year, I'm like, okay, let's I'm thinking about the draft all of a sudden. Yeah. And you know, we could okay, you know, then they won two and we can, but now it's I appreciate being officially able to start now rather than January like 20th, like I did this past year. So that means a lot more uh, fourth, fifth round RBs that I'll be able to look at. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll finally watch like a Puka Nakua, which I completely didn't do. Of course, the two guys I didn't watch, Nakua, Tank Dell. Oh, and I didn't watch Thule. So good for me. Yeah. All the good ones. You know, Puka had a lengthy injury history. Like people keep asking like, how do you fall the fifth round? He was out all the time at BYU in Washington. So... That'll do it. 
but yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited. Like I, um, I, I'm going to be diving into draft stuff from here on out and, and, uh, we'll see how it goes. I, I always get kind of burned out from draft film. So I'm going to try and like, really like do my best to limit myself to like, once I get past like 75 guys, I'm, I'm probably, I'm, I'm saying this now and I say it every it's single not gonna year. It's not going to happen, Steven. <laughs> but you go ahead. But once I get past like 120 guys, I'm like, I can't watch college tape anymore. So I'm going to try right now and, and limit myself to like a top 75, 80. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> it's not happening. The Chargers are picking earlier and like, it's so exciting. So yeah. You're going to go through everyone, man. You're going to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get it though. If I have a kid, it's over. Just ask me about who they're taking in the first round. And that's all I got. But for now, well, I, I mean, you wouldn't have a kid before the draft, right? I think we're past that point. No surprise. No. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, me neither. By the way, just to clarify. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we won't break that on the podcast. Uh, no. no, 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 no. It would be for this draft, but like eventually, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll wind things down. We'll wind things down. Uh, yeah. But for now, no kid, you know, we're good. I'll, I'll yeah. get to disappear in a draft film. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's it's. Uh, I, let me let's finish with this uh, gut feeling. What number are the Chargers picking at in April? Eight. I was going to say seven. Yeah. yeah. We'll see how it goes. the the whole The whole NFL right now, <laughs> everybody is like five and eight, seven and six. Like it's crazy. You want to know something fun, by the way? I I saw this during the show. Guess whose birthday is today? Not yours, right? No, not my July birthday. It's Brock Bowers' birthday today. Oh, happy birthday to future Chargers legend (laughs) Brock Bowers. There we go. I'm going to go tweet that out right now also. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. All right, man. All right, you guys. We appreciate all of you sickos that tuned in for a mock draft exercise on uh, December 13th. So the Chargers obviously have a game tomorrow, and that's where we're at in the season. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll see what happens. We Tyler and I have not decided if we're going to go live tomorrow night um, you know, because that's the kind of game it is. So we'll let you guys know. Um, but we'll probably we'll probably go live. Honestly, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk more soon. I'm going to try and get. Another prospect watched and graded before Saturday. That's my goal for the rest of the week. And then next week, it's like all steam ahead. I literally have not even watched the Chargers tape. I'm just like kind of done with it. <laughs> yeah. I I didn't even check if the film was there. Like, I didn't. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. So it is what it is. Hour 20 of uh, draft season in December. It's great. But uh, we appreciate you guys. We're going to cover the hell out of this draft. That is for sure um and the chargers potentially picking in the top eight so it should be fun all right guys that's gonna do it for us we'll uh see you soon of course as always bolt up and happy birthday brock bowers